0: True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee.
1: Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And we want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Renee, how was your day?
0: It was good. Uh, It was busy, you know, because we are going on vacation here in the next few days. So excited. And I think packing for vacation is like a whole nother job. <laughs> yes. It's been crazy. So if I forget something, I'm
1: going to be really surprised. <laughs> well, that's why when you said when you were leaving, I was like, we should do the podcast, not the night before. Cause I know what it's like. I literally, <laughs> the last time we went on vacation, I freaked out and I literally went to Kohl's where I never shot, but I was just like, that sounded easy. And I ran into Kohl's and just bought new socks and underwear for the boys. And Maria, I was like, I can't even deal with this right now, doing everyone's laundry <laughs> and packing.
0: I was like, everyone's going to have brand new packs of underwear. Right. Well, oh. I'm glad that my kids are grown. So I don't have to do any of that. But still, just there's, there's going to be six of us and packing just the food itself. Cause I'm taking, cause we're staying in the condo. And I'm, so I'm taking, you know, food and stuff. Cause I don't want to spend all my time going out to eat. I just want to, you know, relax. So just that part by itself is enough, not, not even discussing the clothes and all that. other stuff. Right. It's so much to do. And, and every year,
1: or I say every year, we don't travel every year, but every time we go, I think this is the time I'm going to be ready ahead of time and I'm not going to panic. And then, you know, of, sure enough, the last time I ended up doing something really silly, like buying new socks and underwear because I wasn't prepared. So you just, it just, you just run out of time. I mean, that's just the way those things are, but you'll have a blast when you get there. And I'm so excited for you.
0: Thanks. What about you? Oh
1: goodness. It was a busy day. Um, I found out, I just realized I was going to blab this whole story, but I just realized before we went on the air that I, for, you know, protecting people's privacy, I can't blab the whole thing, but basically somebody, in my immediate family was potentially exposed to coronavirus through work. So I'm sort of, I know, sort of trying to work through that, but I was going to tell the whole story. And then I realized for privacy reasons, um, I'm not supposed to, but I will tell Mm. the whole story later when we get past it. But hopefully my family member wasn't exposed It's being checked and double checked right now. It looks good. It looks like the people that had it that tested positive, have not seen my family member in the last couple of weeks, so that's helpful. Oh, I know we might be might be past it. So,
0: yeah, things are being oh, confirmed, boy. though. Good. Well, yeah. I have, so I hope that things are just the way it should and the person or persons uh, recover very quickly.
1: Yes, thank you. I prayed for the same, and you know, it's. I was just going to mention that here in Texas, I don't know about our and where you're located. Um, but maybe drop us a message and let us know how you guys are doing, please, if you don't mind, but we hope that everyone's safe and healthy, but it seems like it's closing in on us more here in North Texas. Do you agree with that, Renee? I feel like I'm hearing more people who know people personally that have COVID-19 versus before it was just sort of this foreign concept, like not a foreign concept, but just no one. I didn't know anyone who had had it and I didn't know anyone who knew anyone who had it, but that's starting to change.
0: Yeah, it is. and But you know, the thing that, that really bothers me is that I've also been noticing lots of stories. Like there was this one story where this lady said that um, she went, she had um, been told that she was around somebody who had, you know, COVID-19. So she was like, oh my gosh. So she went and got tested. So they told her that she was uh, tested positive. So she panicked. She went home. She gathered up her whole family. She's like, we're all going to get checked right now. Like I'm freaking out. So she gets the whole family. She goes, I guess she makes an appointment at like the doctor's office instead of the emergency room or something. And so they all go and every one of them tests negative, including her. And then there's another story where a lady, um, she was going to make an appointment to just get tested just to be on the safe side. And so she made an appointment and then she decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I don't have a reason to, nothing's happened. I'm not going to panic or freak myself out you know I've not been around anybody nothing's happened so she just didn't go she did not show up to the appointment they sent her a letter and told her that her uh COVID-19 results were in that she tested positive Mm. she didn't even go to the appointment so those kind of stories I mean I know I'm not saying that it's not real but I do think I do think that some of this results that we're getting this second, you know, cause they were saying there's going to be a second wave, there's going to be a second wave. And then, you know, here's the second wave and it's already just really, really, really bad. So I don't know. It kind of, that, those kind of stories kind of make me, you know, question. <laughs> right. And, and on a much lighter note
1: involving COVID-19 a new apparently a new source of entertainment is watching people flip out in retail stores when they're told to put on a mask.
0: Oh my gosh, I've seen that. The girl? Have you been seeing?
1: Yeah, I thought, <laughs> oh, I just saw a new one tonight. A woman had like a, she was dressed really cute and had really cute hair and it was from the back and she had on cute shoes. I know she'd be mortified to know that everyone's watching this and laughing at her, but she was at a convenience store buying, it looked like she was getting beer and some other stuff and he asked her to put on a mask and she was like this is america and that's infringing on my rights and everything and she was like screaming and then she ended up cussing at him and then she throws her arms up and stomps off without buying the stuff and the poor guy behind the counter is just going and the narrator of the news story actually had a really good point um these stores can be fined and now this i'm talking about texas here i don't know about everywhere else Mm -hmm. but stores can be fined here locally In these counties that are requiring masks, that is, um, these counties, they will find the store owners and the managers if they have people in there not wearing masks, which I didn't know that until I just heard that. So that's why now they're put in the uncomfortable position, retailers, of turning people away. And that's so not what retailers are used to doing. They're used to making people comfortable and wanting them to buy as much as possible. But now they're throwing people out, which is so counterintuitive to what they normally do and they're also um you know having to be having to police this law so it's really interesting that i didn't realize that the store owners and management could get in trouble for the people walking in in shopping without mask on so
0: this is kind of the way I'm trying to find it so I can actually read it to you. um, But I I, I don't see it right now, but I'll just tell you what I understood from what I read from what I understood is that these, that the businesses have to wear them. Like the the people have to wear them that work there, all the employees, not because there's a lot of employees that weren't wearing them. They have to wear them. And if they're caught not wearing them, they can get fined. Now it's up to them, whether they want to make the customers that come in, wear them or not, which I understand why they would want, everybody too because obviously they want right. to you know, bring the numbers down and you know whatever um but but then I also read where it said that um you can if you're able to social distance then you don't have to wear one and like for instance if we go somewhere and they don't tell us to wear one we won't get in trouble for it so they're, they're not you, you can't get in trouble for it this time but a place can make you do it. And if you don't do it, then they have the right to refuse service to you and ask you to leave, which I well, get that too. I, I all of it. think it's different based on counties, though, because. It could be.
1: Yeah, I think this was a county where it's required. And so the burden now is on the, the retailers to enforce yeah. it. It's really, really a mess. So anyway, I just felt bad watching that guy behind the counter just looking like, okay, Karen, you know, but anyway <laughs> the
0: karen thing just cracks me up <laughs> I know we're gonna have to talk about the karen thing I, on the podcast I'm one of these you, days I, I, my daughter actually called me that one time <laughs> and i didn't know anything about it nothing like why are you oh calling me and then, and then i figured it out and i'm like okay well i don't like calling in on people a lot or whatever it's got to be something that's really it, it has to really get under my skin for me to do that but anyway sorry
1: yeah. On that. No, we'll fun. have to
0: open with a Karen
1: convo next time mm-hmm. because it's too mm-hmm. dang funny. Um, okay. So, Karen, <laughs> Oh my gosh. My daughter called me a Karen and that was hysterical. <laughs> um, so anyway, so, okay. So Missy Beaver's case, we are continuing, but we're, we're barreling down the road toward hopefully toward justice in this case. Um, we're hoping in some small way that this podcast will bring some, Um, recognition to the case, some awareness to the case, hopefully the best thing that could happen with somebody who maybe had forgotten that they had seen or heard something that could help maybe would come forward.
0: Um, And,
1: and, and Renee had the fantastic idea of us starting a GoFundMe for to raise money for a billboard. And um, Renee, we were going to give those people a shout out. We've had such generous, wonderful people who are our podcast listeners who have come forward and made donations. And we want to formally thank you on behalf of True Crime Broads and Missy Beavers here on the podcast today.
0: Absolutely. Um, thank you to Lucy T, Shannon, D, and DNK we appreciate Yay. all of you for donating and helping us out and we're going to shoot for a goal we're going to get our goal met and we're going to get that billboard up yeah sure.
1: and and their donations were so generous that we are we really close we're much closer than you would think we would be with just three donations um right. to the goal so that's just fantastic and we just can't thank you ladies enough thank you thank you um we also had some. had a corporate sponsor, sort of in talks with someone who was sort of acting as liaison. But I don't want to blurt that out yet because we don't have that. We don't have the money in hand yet. But once we do, oh, we're well. certainly going to shout them out as well. Of course. Absolutely. Um, where did we want to start, um, Renee? On our, um,
0: you want to start with the uh, your um, abduction story. Oh yeah. Okay. Do Or do you want to start? I don't care.
1: It doesn't matter. Okay. I will start. Um, Renee and I both, you know, on previous pad- podcasts, we had discussed how we each had a foot fetish story that was just too bizarre. And so I actually had two and then Renee had sort of two and we went over those on the podcast. And this, you know, we were on the phone talking one night and we realized that we both had Almost been abducted. So, we're going to tell that story tonight because the, the Missy Beavers case is slow. We are going to cover some Missy Beavers, of course, um, information here pretty soon, but we thought we would open with our personal abduction stories. Um, I was living in DeSoto, Texas, which is where my parents lived at the time. Um, I was in my mid 20s. I had moved back in with them because I had a job that was full time travel. And I was trying to arrange with my mom to come and feed my cats. I had two cats at the time. Their names were Lucy and Ethel. And, um, <laughs> oh, thanks. But, and my apartment was in Dallas. And actually, no, I take it back. I was in, and, you know, trying to arrange. My mom just looked at me and she goes, instead of me driving up there to check on your cats every other day, why don't, you just move in here because you're not even going to be here because you're going to be traveling all the time. Why would you pay rent? So I was like, yippee. That was actually the coolest thing. I was really excited money? about it. <laughs> to save money. Yeah. And it was great. So, um, and my parents still had the same house I grew up in. So my room was still there. Still plenty of room for me. So that was cool. That was very sweet of them to offer that. Well, anyway, so fast forward, I was working the auto show, um, Circuit, and I would be gone for 14 days at a time, sometimes 30 days. Sometimes I did shows back to back. I was gone like a month and a half, and then I would have downtime in between. Sometimes it would just be like four or five days or two days. Sometimes it would be two weeks, maximum, usually about two weeks. So anyway, I was on one of those breaks and I was at home. And I had sometimes I would work through a local agency in between the car shows. And this particular few days, I had been working a trade show at the Dallas Convention Center. And anyway, so I'm at home. I'm tired. I had just taken a shower. I flopped down on my bed. I'm just exhausted. And I had been out with some people and just gotten home. And I just wasn't thinking about anything, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, my dad goes, it's, real, it's really getting late at night, too. And my dad yells, hey, Crystal, the police want to talk to you. And then I, my mom goes, you shouldn't say it that way. She's going to be thinking, you know, and I was like, what? So I go out there and my throw my robe on and I'm standing in the family room and there's cop is standing there and he goes, um, we just caught somebody outside your window and we just need to show you his picture to see if you recognize him. And I'm thinking, what? This is so weird. So it's a peeping Tom. I'm like, whatever. So I just said this was just his lucky night. Cause I usually don't hang out in my room undressed, but for some bizarre reason I was really tired and I was that night. Totally out of character for me. So I'm thinking, well, this was just his lucky night, right? He sees a light on, naked person, hallelujah, you know? Yeah. Well, um anyway, so I'm just like, okay, I'll look at the picture. And so did not recognize him, but he looked super scary. He looked tall. Couldn't really tell in the picture, but he was very muscular, but really skinny, like thin and muscular. Mm-hmm. And his hair, he had no hair. His head was shaved. He had tattoos all up and down his arms. He looked super scary and super mean. It was a white guy. And um, I did not know who it was. And then they told me the name and the name did not ring any bells. I found out he lived and um and pecan crossing apartments in Desoto, which i recognize the name of that right away because um i had known someone that moved in there after high school so that sounded familiar and i knew where it was it's over there at pleasant run and 35 you know where that walmart was i'm not Mm -hmm. sure if it's still a walmart i think it might be a kroger now but anyway um over there right across from where lancaster starts right Mm -hmm. so anyway um So I'm still just trying to piece this together and I'm tired and I'm like, what? Okay. Well, then they, um, my dad, so then I'm just thinking, how did this even happen? How would the police know that someone peeked in my window? That's just weird. You know, what are the odds? I mean, you can't get a police officer to come out in time. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes people are really in danger and can't get a cop. I'm just thinking, how did some cop catch someone peeking in my window? This doesn't even add up. So as I'm starting to think that way, My dad explained that they had these bay, they had this bay window and my entire life growing up, girl, we never needed surveillance cameras with my dad there. He was like always knew exactly (laughs) what was going on out in front of the house, you know, and so my comings and goings were well documented and um, in our dining room there was a bay is, is it called a bay window where you can look out the side I should know this I'm in real estate but whatever it's called when you can peek out the side of a window and see the side of the house right. or see the front of the house from mm-hmm. that room so he said that he was doing his nightly routine of surveillance you know <laughs> and he saw a man outside my window and so he was like really so he starts looking. And he went and got his gun. Yay for dads with guns, right? So he goes and gets his gun and he's looking out that side of the bay window straight at my room, which is on the opposite side of the house. But he was looking straight across the front of the house, you know, past the front door and looking at him. And he just decided that if the guy tried to get in my window, he was going to shoot. But he called the police and was waiting for police. And ideally, he didn't want to shoot, I'm sure. He was just doing that as a massive precaution. Right. But anyway... So I'm starting to hear my dad's side of the story and I'm like, okay, that explains why police are here. And they had tackled (laughs) this dude out in the front yard and arrested him. And I didn't even know what was going on the whole time, but come to find out um, the police came back in later. Some other cops arrested him and took him to the police station there in DeSoto. But he, the cop told me that um, they found his car parked around the corner And, um, that he had restraints and stuff like that in the car and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like rope and all that kind of stuff. And so he said that they really felt like he targeted me, that it wasn't just a random, you got lucky, there was a light on kind of a thing, which is what I thought it was. Yeah. And um, my name and address were on pictures of me when I was working trade shows at the convention center. So, and they, they said this guy was an electrician. He was not an employee of anywhere. So, chances are maybe he worked some kind of job at the Dallas convention center and saw my information. I have no idea. I still don't know this day how that happened because he lived in DeSoto. So, I don't. I just didn't have any. Ties in Desoto at that point, so I don't know how mm-hmm. he found me. It's just bizarre, but anyway. So wow. the police That's- said that they had reason to believe that he was there to remove me from my room; that he wasn't just there to watch, oh, but prove it. And of course, I didn't sleep for a week. I could not wait to fly back out to work because I did not feel comfortable there anymore. And that he got out the next day, of course. And then, yeah, and then when I called the next day, because. Uh, the lady, the female cop that answered the phone, she goes, We can't give you any information that violates his <laughs> rights. And I'm thinking, Violates wow. his rights? I'm just trying to not get killed over here. <laughs> but uh-huh. anyway, no, no, no. Yeah. So anyway, I know that's not a very exciting story, but it just was my weird. And and who knows if I really was going to get abducted and it kind of sounded like it. The police had reason to think it was, they wouldn't tell me everything. They just said they saw some stuff like rope and restraints and stuff in the car that made them suspicious, but they didn't tell me anything else. They said there were some other things in there, but that's all we're going to tell you. So I don't know what else was in the car, but apparently they felt that he had bad, really bad intentions, not just a peeping Tom. Mm, so dear. that's the end of my
0: story. So why don't you go yeah, ahead and tell I'm, yours? That is so scary. <laughs> I know, I was you know, super I scared you told me that story. And um, it's funny because whenever you mentioned um, that we were going to tell our abduction stories, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I can do that. And then I was, you know, I, had, I wrote down a few notes because, you know, it was a long time ago. And then while you were telling your story, I was like, wait a minute there's another story. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, Oh, there's another story. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're almost abducted three times. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, one of them wasn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't almost abducted, but it, you're, it reminded me of your story. So I'll just tell, I'll just tell them because the first two are like really quick and easy, but okay. So the first one was in 1982, we lived in Mesquite, Texas and me and a friend used to walk um, together. We would walk home, from school and to school every day because it was like 10 blocks and you know if you live that close to the school you wouldn't ride a bus so uh, we did this every day and so for about I don't know every day for about three or four days in a row this car would pull up beside us and he would he would he would be like where we were but he would be like on the, on the right side of the road but anyway he would stop and he'd be like hey you know y'all need a ride and we would just be like no you know we just keep walking. So he drove off. Well, this one particular day he stopped and he said, y'all need a ride. And we said, no, you know, whatever. And so he went on down the road and he turned around and came back and got on this right, the same side of the road that we were on and opened his door and said, Hey, y'all get in my car. I'll give you a ride. And me and her both, you know, we're young. So both of us like, no, we took off running. I mean, we were running like crazy and we thank goodness we weren't very far from our house. Well, I have this, uncanny ability to remember numbers Mm -hmm. I can't remember what I did yesterday I can't remember what I was going to tell you three seconds after I said hey let me tell you something funny like Mm -hmm. seriously Mm -hmm. but I can remember numbers I can remember social security numbers I can remember driver's license numbers birth dates you name it okay so I remembered his uh, his license plate number oh my gosh that's amazing yeah my mom got home I said, um, "There's this guy that's been following us," and she's like, "What? Why didn't you tell me?" And I'm like, "I don't know, because <laughs> I'm a kid. And I'm dumb." Anyway, I said, "I don't know," and so I said, um, and "She and I said today was a little different. He's getting more bold. Like he actually got right up close to us and opened his door, and I, we thought he was gonna get out and grab us. So we just took off running, and um, I mean, we were scared." And and so she said you know, oh my gosh, tell me like what he looks like and all this. And I actually still remember this. I remember what he looks like anyway. So she was dating. She was, she had gotten divorced from her husband and she was just, she, you know, it had been a few, a little while and she was dating this guy. Well, he just so happened he was a cop. Mm -hmm. So I told her, I said, well, I know his license plate number. And she was like, really? I was like, yeah. So she writes it down and she goes and I guess she calls the guy she was dating and she says hey and tells him the story. So he runs the license plate and just take a guess how close this man was to us. He lived like I don't know, five apartments away from us. And he mm-hmm. was the maintenance man. <gasps> creepy. He had a key to our apartment. <gasps> Super duper creepy. I was so I was just like you know, I was just like, whatever, like, no big deal. But I, after that, I was, like, freaked out. So she contacted, or he, I think her boyfriend contacted the apartment complex and told him he had, um, like, assaults, and he had, like, some some things that ha- made him have a, um, you know, I can't think of the word. <laughs> I could do anything except for think of words when I'm trying to say them. Um, he was on the list for being um, sexual predator. There we go. Anyway, so he ended up getting fired from his job, and that's all I remember. But that one was super scary for me because I was, like, 12. Yeah. And then when I was 13, (laughs) and this is the one that I had forgot about because you were telling me the story about the the bed. Um, But we never found out who this person was. But anyway, I was in my room, and I had three windows, and they were, like, the really short windows. They weren't, like, they didn't go all the way to the floor. And um, I had these curtains, and they were kind of light. And I looked up and I was in my room doing whatever. And I looked up and I seen a figure of a person, you know, like a head, like looking in my window. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I was just fearless. I just was like not scared of anything. So instead of going and telling my parents, hey, there was somebody looking in my window, I just went outside looking for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And We never figured out who it was. I, I don't, I have no idea that we, that we never figured it out, but I just, from when you told me that story, I was like, oh, wow, that oh actually happened gosh. to me. The we never figured it out though. And thank goodness they weren't out there, or whatever the deal was, because I went straight out there to figure out who they were. So, and then the actual story that I think that I was, I was originally going to tell, because um, when you said abduction, this is what it felt like to me, but this was in 1996. I don't know how old you were whenever that happened to you, but I was 27 when this particular story happened. I was very close to that. Yeah. Very close. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you earlier. And then it reminded me of the other two stories, was, but anyway, maybe slightly um, younger. Yeah. Very close. What did you, okay. So we lived in, um, I want to say we lived in Dallas kind of close to Garland mm-hmm. and we were, I was working at a, um, a car dealership in Garland off of Garland road. And I was like the accounts payable payroll coordinator or whatever. And, um, but me and my husband, he had, um, I think one of our cars was broke down or something and we only had the one car and he was supposed to pick me up. Well, he called me and said, he couldn't pick me up. Is there any way I could get a ride? Because I don't remember what the deal was. He was working late or something. And I was like, yeah, I'll figure it out. You know, not a big deal. And so the kids were at the babysitter. And so I was like, okay, who can I get to pick me up? So I think I called my mother-in-law because my mother, my mom was somewhere else. So I called my mother-in-law and I was on the phone with her because I was actually leaving. So I wasn't at my desk. And I was down there by service where people go get their cars worked on. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to her and she's like, I can't pick you up, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. So I hang up the phone and I'm like, who else can I call? Well, there's this man standing there. And only thing I can describe to you is kind of like a Ted Bundy guy, like nice looking, mm-hmm. super friendly. So I, I still can't believe I did this and I get it. I'm an idiot. I, I completely confess I'm an idiot, but anyway, mm-hmm. so I'm sitting here and he says, are you, are you trying to find a ride home? And I said, yeah. I said, my husband can't pick me up. And one of our cars is in the shop. And he says, well, I'll take you home. Where do you live? And I said, well, it's not that far from here. It's probably about, I don't know, like maybe 10 miles. And he goes, I'll take you home. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. don't ask me why. Don't have a clue mm-hmm. so he's got his car in service and I guess I'm thinking to myself well you know they know his car's in service they know his name they you know they know everything so it's not like he's gonna do anything to me mm-hmm. so I get in the car with him and we're headed down the highway and everything's totally fine and all of a sudden he says so do you take rides from people often that you don't know nee. like, no actually I don't ever <laughs> I don't have this problem, you know, normally. Mm-hmm. And so, all of a sudden he starts taking his left arm and putting it way under the seat. He's like leaning way over. How creepy. And, and all of a sudden, like my heart starts just, I mean, I'm sweating. Like I'm freaking out because all of a sudden it hits me. Like, what have I done? Now I'm in the car with this guy and he's leaning over, digging under the seat. And he continues doing this for a very long time. And he's just like, Well, you got to be careful because you never know who you're with and you don't know people and people are, you know, scary and, you know, weird and horrible and all this crap. And he keeps leaning over under the seat. And my mind is going, He's getting a gun. He's getting a knife. He's going to mm-hmm. kill me. He's going to shoot me. All these things. And all of a sudden, and I'm like about to have like the biggest anxiety attack you can ever imagine. And I go, My exit. And I don't know. He just, Exits just quickly, I guess, just because I just screamed it out. Right, I know. right. And when he got to the, you know, come off the exit ramp, and he stopped at the the red light or the stop sign or whatever it was, I literally opened the door and jumped out of the car, and I was like, "Thanks, thank goodness you made it out." That sounds like a total Ted Bundy <laughs> story.
1: The way they tell the story, oh, I mean, like that I'm one lady God. that survived. That's exactly what it sounded <laughs> like.
0: oh my gosh that's so scary scary. but it was super scary so yeah don't be like us or don't be like me I guess you didn't do anything wrong I did (laughs) oh heck who knows
1: I still to this day I don't know how that guy knew who I was and why he was there um I think yeah I believe the police said that he had my address in his car I don't know if I'm remembering that correctly or not but really super creepy and um I would like to get the record of that arrest now that um I'm older and, you know, I didn't I know. really think about it at the time, but I would like to see that
0: now and see who the heck he is. I can't remember the name. You'd you think know, I'd remember, but I don't. That's how, um that's how cases actually get solved because they, you know, they put the information out there and then you're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. that's when I was 20-something, blah, 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 you know. Right. And I remember what that one guy looked like, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that I could... I don't honestly remember what the guy looked like that I took the ride from. I just remember him being nice looking, very clean cut, very well-dressed. That's about all I remember. And he was in a sedan car. But um, unfortunately, if I would have had to, if somebody would have, now maybe back then I probably could have. I remember the guy very well that uh, pulled over and, you know, was trying to get us to get in his car. I remember him very well for some reason, but I do not remember that other guy. I don't know if it's because – I was so scared that I just couldn't think straight. I don't know. Cause right. I had kids at the babysitter and in <clears throat> the whole nine yards, but yeah, I, that wasn't a good thing. I hear you. It's scary stuff. Yep.
1: Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, so um, we wanted to get into the most important thing that we really discussed today regarding the Missy Beavers case between Renee and I was the, um, the doors, right? We had a big conversation mm-hmm. about that. And then you did some really amazing research today. And um, I'll let you tell that part, of course.
0: Okay, so let me explain the, the part that we're we're wanting to sc- discuss and why. Um, you know, I, obviously, everybody that's listening to the podcast is more than likely listen to other episodes and knows about the case in general, and, and so forth. And one of the issues that we have had with the timeline and everything. Um so, you know, the perpetrator shows up at the church at 358. Missy shows up at 418, 420, whatever it is. And then the campers show up at 435. What well the first one does 435. And then other campers start to show up because they're getting there for their five o'clock class. And the first one's been waiting for a while and then a couple other ones show up. So we were trying to figure out how did they eventually get into the church to try and resuscitate Missy helper, whatever, the situation, whatever they were doing when they went into went into the church? So how did they get from the awning door into the church? Okay, so we were trying to figure that out. And in the midst of that, we had been told on a couple different occasions that there was some mystery button, and we were told it was on the handle. And I, my mind just couldn't wrap around this. And I know you, you felt the same way. Like, why would they put a handle on an outside door that allows people to get into a locked door of a place that obviously you want to keep locked, you know, right. and you don't want people to be able to come and go whenever they want to. So it didn't really make sense to me. And I, I realized that, you know, there's all kinds of things out there, so we don't know what everything is. So I thought, well, let's just try to research it and see if we can't figure this out for once and for all. So I, um made a post and, and asked, does anybody know anybody who works in the commercial uh, door industry per se and can give us some answers to some questions? So I had somebody respond and they, they knew somebody that worked in the field. And they said, because um, I told them, I said, I don't, I don't want to mislead them. I'm not trying to buy anything, but I just have some questions. And they was like, nope, perfect. They know exactly what you're needing. It's fine. So I forgot yesterday in the midst of my packing for vacation, but today I remembered. So I called and um, asked them if they had a few minutes to answer my questions. And they was like, absolutely. So I kind of tried to explain it as short and sweet as I could, because I didn't want to take up too much of their time because I'm sure they're busy and kind of what we were wanting to understand that this door and this button and whatever. So they explained to me um, that actually they were familiar with the church and they were familiar with the doors because they actually worked on them, which I did not know that. So that, that, was was real, a, that was a
1: really cool surprise.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. So I was like, oh, okay, well, this is even better. So I said, okay, so the door, the awning door, is there a button that you push to get in? And he said, yes, um, but it's not like under the handle. It's like on the wall. So I was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, how does that work? And so forth. So basically what it is, is that you, you know, during working hours you you know, go up and you push a button and it makes a noise. And then somebody says, you know, welcome to Creekside. How can I help you? And you state your case while you're there, what you're doing, what you need. And then they either buzz you in or they come to the door and talk to you, whatever the case is. So I'm assuming that, before working hours, obviously, nobody's going to answer this because there's nobody there inside the church to buzz mm-hmm. you in or say hello or whatever. So there is, in fact, a button there, but it's not something that, from what we understand, that would be they could use utilize this from in, at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. So there is a button, but not for that. So then he says to me, or I asked him, I said, well what about is is the same thing on the front door and he said well that door is a little bit different it has a what's that word remember i told you this morning um it has a um oh hang on it has a panic bar yes yes panic bar sorry I had to think about that I had to, I'm glad I wrote it down it has a panic bar and he said those are fairly easy to get into if you really wanted to and I was like oh okay so because we had actually talked about we that we think okay so maybe this scenario went like this um the first camper shows up at 4:35. they're you know new so they're like okay well I'll just wait here until she you know comes out tells me to come in or whatever that doesn't happen and then other people start, and they they know her vehicle's there, so they're kind of confused, calling her, texting her, getting no response. Then other people start showing up. People, Other campers are shown on uh, surveillance, uh, I guess, through the inside of the church, through the window, um, looking at their phones, trying to figure out what's going on. And so at this point, they're like, okay, her truck is here. She's obviously here. The door's open to her truck. But she's not out here we haven't seen her whatever so we need to figure this out so they walk around to the front of the church and they actually look through the windows and they can see her and at this point someone makes the step to figure out how to get into the door and from what this man told me they repaired the front door and they did some adjustments on other doors inside So that kind of tells me or kind of confirms what we were thinking, that maybe they just broke the door and got in and was able to, you know, go to her and then call 911 and go from there. Yes, and that
1: and, you know, everything that you found out from um, the man today that had actually done the work at the church after the murder, which was incredible that you actually talked because I know that you had said that you were going to contact a local door commercial door company just to see if you can get some information and some questions answered about that kind of door and then come to find out when you were talking to him on the phone he was in the truck with his workmate and his assistant whatever and he goes oh hey when we went over to the church after missy was killed what was it we did that was amazing that you got a hold of the actual person did the actual work at this creekside church i mean that's crazy that's so cool and then um And, you know, everything you learned from him was consistent. You know, that um, the uh, source that I had spoken to a while back that had firsthand knowledge of what was going on at this church said that the first person who arrived um, was standing outside and waiting. And he was supposed it was his first day. He was supposed to work out at 430 and be one of the early workout people. The other two ladies who were supposed to work out at four 30, one of them didn't come because it was raining. The other one didn't come because she had a flat tire. So we were left with just the one guy and he was standing there waiting. And he knew Missy personally prior to this. And he saw her truck was there. The door was open of her truck, and he just couldn't figure it out. The door he couldn't get in the door. This is the awning entrance where Missy entered, um, where mm-hmm. her truck was parked, you know, under the awning. And he was standing out there and he was texting her and she wasn't responding. And, you know, 4 30, it was later than 4 30, and time was passing. And he was just thinking, That's really strange. She's not responding to my text or phone calls. And but she's like he knew she was in there. Um, So anyway, when other people started to arrive, he started to explain what was going on and they made a decision together to walk around to the main entrance to see if they could see anything and they looked or to get in perhaps. And they looked through those main entrance doors and they could see Missy from a distance lying down and the camp gladiator participants, you know, and the new guy were all it, the story always skips. Every time we hear this story, including my source, the story skips from we saw her laying down and wanted to go help her. They didn't know she was dead yet. They thought she had fainted or, you know, anything or had hit her head and fell. Right. So they, so the story always skips from we saw Missy was needing help and we ran in and started doing, you know, the uh, two people, I believe, were doing, um, we're trying to revive her, you know, and CPR. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, we have been over many, many months, really just struggling with how did they get in? Because they were there, they were in there performing. Um, pe- they were working on her doing CPR before anyone arrived to help before the first responders mm-hmm. got there before MPD got there. So we mm-hmm. could never figure that part out. And so It sounds like, you know, our guest was probably right that they had breached the door because, you know, that's an emergency and they saw their instructor in there laying down and they didn't know until they got close that it was clear that she was severely injured. At this point, looking from the outside of the building, looking in, when they saw her laying down through that main entrance, um, they just thought we need to get in there and help her. So at that point they figured out how to breach the door somehow they broke that probably the panic bar. Like, um, the man told you today, that's just a guess, but is that Mm -hmm. the impression you got from talking to him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. I mean, like I said, he didn't say, this is what happened, but in my mind, he was explaining it so that I can either catch on or not catch on, I guess. Right. (laughs) Right? No, that was
1: really valuable. And and it just sort of the whole thing lined up with what we had been hearing.
0: So, you yeah, said that every time they had went to the, the church to work on whatever, they always had to push that button and someone would come over, you know, the the speaker, whatever you call it and say, you know, how can I help you? So of course they always went during working hours. So that's what, that's what told me, okay, so there is a button there, but it's not like a button, like you squeeze it or something. It's just one that you, you know, make kind of like a doorbell, but per se, um but yeah so that 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 makes much more sense to me you know i just don't see a place having a door that you can just push a button and get into and it's always there because if the door's locked and they can't get in then it's going to be the same locked when they're closed so anybody can push this button and get in anytime they want to. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. That's you understand. That's been my issue with this whole, this whole time. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because anybody can get into the church anytime they want to. Yeah. Like what would be the purpose of it?
1: Yeah. Because yeah. once Are that, you- once that gets out, I mean,
0: then you've got people who know how to just walk in the building anytime. That just doesn't yeah, make sense. I mean- all the other doors that are made the same way are going to be the same issue. It's going to be And then, and then how anybody would go, Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. We want that door. I mean, who, who's going to pick it? (laughs) And,
1: and if it's, you would have to believe that this wasn't some kind of a crazy expensive custom door. This is a church, you know, it's, it's, they're going to have something that's fairly common. So then you have to think, so are there doors just all over commercial buildings and churches that, have some little button underneath that you can push and just walk in if it's locked that doesn't even, that defies logic you know
0: it does absolutely because the whole purpose of the door is to keep the person on the other side out <laughs>
1: yeah and the whole idea of it, and the whole idea of is it, it
0: is it's locked to keep people out you shouldn't just be like oh I found a little button under here to push now I'm going to walk in yeah, exactly so yeah yeah. So, yeah that was really it was really nice to be able to get some answers to those questions because you know we don't know we don't work on doors we don't install doors we don't Anything to do with doors we don't know, so except our how to open them and go in our house and so forth and lock them but that's it. <laughs> you know now
1: is it possible though that the person the people in the groups that were saying that there was just a button that the early arrival guy didn't know about, and then when the people came later closer to five o'clock, they knew how to open it, do you think it's possible? that it was unlocked because Missy had already taken her key and unlocked it and gone in and the door wasn't actually locked, but the button to get buzzed in on the side would open the door to let them in.
0: Do yeah, maybe like if, yeah. Maybe like if she, okay, so she comes in, <coughs> she locks the door. You know, she opens the door, she probably sets her stuff down, and then she probably like officially unlocks the door so that they can push this button and get in. Yeah, that's then, what I'm saying. Yeah, but it's like officially locked, so that's not going to work. So if somebody like unlocks it, like kind of like a, like a hotel, um, we used to have this house that we rented one time and it was like a hotel when you would, when you would go in, you could unlock it with a key. But when you would shut the door, it would still be locked for somebody behind you. So it was always locked. So I would actually have to manually unlock it so that it wasn't locked all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I think that's kind of the theory between kind of what you're saying. So she would have to come in and then unlock it completely. And then they could push this button and then it would release it and open the door. But if she didn't manually unlock it then they wouldn't be able to do that I'm sorry I had to go all around the tree with that one but you know what I'm saying no yeah, I do know what you're Trying saying to... <laughs> right right, right. so that him was him that him was him. so
1: great that you ended up talking to the actual person what you know that was really yeah, unexpected and really I, helpful
0: I kind of expected him to be like you're doing what and you're with who and you're doing you know and what what case but he knew exactly what I was talking about I mean the way he talked about it was like he knew her in a way but I didn't ask because I didn't, you know, like I said, I was trying to make it as brief as I could because I was like, this man's at work. I don't want to bother him. So I was like super brief. But yeah, it was really cool. Right. That's really, really cool.
1: Um. Yeah, thank you for looking into that. And I went ahead mm-hmm. and posted a, the picture you took today on our Instagram if anyone mm-hmm. wants to take a look at it. Actually the double doors under the awning. The doors in question that the um, person couldn't get in who was there early and was wondering where the heck Missy was because her truck was open outside. And then um, when people, other people, you know, he was standing there under the awning in the rain. And then as other people started to arrive, they they walked over together to the main entrance. And apparently that's when they breached the door because that was where they could see Missy. And, you know, it's been told to me many times and you too. And of, of course we've seen the CSI report. It says that Missy was, not at the place where they would normally expect to see her which was in that awning area um that corridor there past the awning that they found her past that main entrance so that's really sad and scary to think about
0: um Uh, absolutely it is very i mean it i I try so hard sometimes i have to actually just um not think about it i know you know it gets a little too (laughs) real sometimes it when does. we're doing our research, <laughs> yeah, when
1: we're doing our research, you start realizing the things that we're saying and reading and thinking about are just a little too real sometimes,
0: yeah,
1: absolutely, um, but you know we wanna keep fighting for missy, and we're hoping somebody will come forward um let's see, so we talked about the repairs to the main door.
0: I'm looking at our list um. I think now it's like um, open discussion for whatever you want to talk about.
1: Oh, you, you had mentioned something earlier when we were getting ready to jump on the podcast. Uh And um, I think it was sort of based on some posts you saw today. It's been an ongoing conversation, but did you want to go ahead and address that? Yeah. Okay.
0: So one of the most, one of the popular theories on this case that we see a lot and we please don't take this that we're knocking anybody's theory because we're not we're just discussing it because so many people throw this theory around it's it's constant and so we just kind of want to discuss it but today somebody posted in our group and Oh, am I talking about the post or the the the, the theory? I'm sorry, I got myself confused. <laughs> oh, I, I guess the theory, but it's up to you. Okay, so I wanted I want to talk about the post first, and then I got myself confused. Sorry about that. We okay. are going to talk about this in just a second, but this one somebody posted something in one of our groups, and um, she posted that on. There's a website that does a podcast. Um, they have a podcast and they talk, they discuss different cases, different true crime cases. And one of them, they did Missy Beavers. And so after the podcast, it has a, a spot underneath where you can you know, make comments and so forth. So a person commented on this case, and this was back in March and their name is Jane Doe. So obviously they're trying to be hidden. Uh, they want nobody to know who they are. But it says, I know who this is. I reported it to Crime Stoppers, but they did nothing. I'm so frustrated. It is a man I worked with. He has a knee injury. He knows the Beavers family and shares their joy of fishing. He has a full SWAT police uniform. There is an enhanced video on YouTube that shows his eyes and he's wearing a, how do you say that? Halikala? Baklava? I don't know how to say yeah, yeah, baklava. They spelt it weird and I'm like, oh, now I don't even know how to say this. Yes type mask I I, I'm I've overlaid this pic with pics from Facebook and they match I want to get attention on the suspect but he knows me and I'm afraid of him um so underneath it somebody else comments and they say more people should report this person you need to get your evidence out there publicly please and this person's name is Janice Doe and then another person comments, and their name is Joe Doe, which is interesting oh, that people yeah. have their name with the last name Doe. But anyway, and so they talk about some different stuff in here. I won't keep reading the different comments. But um, but anyway, I just found it interesting that we, we've come across and people have made us uh, aware of several different weird comments that are out there from different people um remember the one about the guy that says i have information about who did this give me a call and he says that he'll have his secretary send you over a packet of information that will prove that i believe didn't he say randy beavers did it i think he did remember do you remember him talking about wait repeat that Remember the guy that um, that posted on one of the groups and said that he knew who did it and to you know call his phone number. And then when you oh, call his phone number- Oh, gosh. Yes, 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 yes. He yes. said that his secretary will send over a packet of information that proves that, I think he said Randy Beavers did it. And this guy was crazy, but anyway. <laughs> so it, it's just amazing the different scenarios that you get from people and i'm I'm not making fun of anybody absolutely not i'm just it's just crazy how many stories are out there about oh it's this person we know this person did it and, and i hope that they get in touch with you know uh crime stoppers and they're able to you know get them to take a look at whoever it is that they think did this obviously you know i i hope that they're able to to get that information um what do you think about this
1: okay so um I agree with you on this theory. It has been paraded around since day 1. And honestly, at the very, very, very beginning before I knew anything about this case, I thought that he looked like a good candidate. You know, when he turns around in that pink shirt, and I was looking just now at the posts in the group to catch up to see what you were talking about. And I do see that somebody had posted about him in the pink shirt. And um that was a long time ago and so much has happened since then and that was the very beginning and what happened is um there's just been so many things that lead me to believe that he is not the killer and we're talking about randy beavers the father of Brandon beavers missy's husband and he's the father-in-law basically of, of the victim and the reason why people thought it was him is initially none of us had any idea about the family. We didn't know anything. But when someone gets murdered out of the blue like this, a lot of times they'll say you should look at the family first, right? So right. he so then he's on the he's in that that press conference thing that they had, that little informal one outside of MPD. And he kind of after the conference is over, he turns around and the cameras are still on him and he kind of waddles into the building. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are like, whoa, he walks just like the perp. I mean, people I knew at the time that didn't even really follow the case and didn't stick with it were like, oh, it was the father-in-law. I mean, you could see that in Dallas Morning News article comments. You could see it on Facebook. You could see it just about anywhere. YouTube comments. It was, I mean, and it's still, like you and I were talking about earlier, it's amazing that that theory is still hanging on. After all this time, and it was proven that he was in California. He flew back here. um He and his wife to be with Brandon when they found out about the murder
0: because they were traveling and, in their um, like Winnebago type.
1: Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I sort of thought, exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't know exactly what kind, but they were in some kind of an RV. And it was extremely common for them to be in it. So many people try to imply, well, that's interesting that he was just happened to be out of town at the time of the murder. But in reality, apparently, from what we've heard from sources close to the family and people that know him, that that was their norm, that they did that quite often. And California was one of their favorite places to go. And they and so don't was in we're... the
0: area anyway.
1: Yeah, and that's another thing I always think is so funny is people are like, well, he just happened to be out of town. That's weird that he was out of town. He is not local. He and his wife did not live in Ellis County then, and they don't live in Ellis County now. They haven't lived there in many, many years. So they were actually residents of Austin, Texas, which is about three hours south of Midlothian to drive. And they are just not even local. Um, So... That whole thing just really got legs based on some falsehoods, you know, that he just happened to be out of town. And I think what threw people off, though, is that he quickly flew back and then he started going to the dry cleaners and stuff like that. And and it just kind of seemed like he was local, but he really wasn't. He was just here to support his family, support his son after his daughter-in-law had been murdered. Um, That's the only reason they were here. I mean, they may visit occasionally, but I don't get the impression they were here a lot. Mm -hmm. So anyway, long story short, he was not just coincidentally out of town. He's technically always out of town because he doesn't live in Ellis County.
0: Right. And what about the, you know, the infamous um, female stance that we've talked about before in the past? There's, in my opinion, there's no way that that man, Randy Beavers, stood like that. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah, I don't see that either. And
1: also, and I think perhaps... You know, and and see, there's two things. There's two things that are the most compelling proof that he is not the killer as far as I'm concerned. Um, one of them is he, I mean, if he, if he had lied about his whereabouts and he really wasn't in California and he was really there lurking around locally trying to kill Missy. Mm-hmm. I would think that the FBI would have figured that out. I mean, they're not stupid. I mean, they can tell where they can figure out people's whereabouts and they, I'm sure they checked the flights that he and his wife took. I'm sure they checked their cell phones. I'm sure a lot of people complained and said, oh, those, um, those Facebook posts that they made around the time of the murder, you know, I can't remember when, was it like the day of the murder or the day before they were playing golf in California they could have faked those Facebook posts but yes they could have but I'm sure they checked things that you can't really fake very easily like the cell phone records and the cell phone pings and also eyewitnesses and then I think the one thing is probably cameras at the airport Mm -hmm. and their actual you know their boarding passes however you know whatever they do to check with the airline Records, I'm sure that was done and they must have been satisfied with the whereabouts because it doesn't appear that they ever really pursued Randy Beavers as a suspect. I've never seen any evidence of that. He didn't lawyer up. He didn't appear a, in any way nervous about being a POI. I just, we haven't seen any movement toward him from the media or from MPD. And then the other really compelling thing was, I know I talk about that HLN show. I swear I'm not getting kickbacks from HLN. They don't even know I exist, but (laughs) I really thought that was a good synopsis of the case that HLN Mm -hmm. show. It's part of a series. The series is called crime lies in video and Missy's case is episode four of that series. There's only one season so far It came out, I think a little, about a year ago, about a year ago right now. (laughs) It's hard to believe that's been a year, but um, it was a really good show. And in it, um, Brandon Beavers said, you know, he addressed head on the situation with his dad. And he said, look, my, my dad has a condition. I can't remember what it's called. It was a long name, but he said, my dad has a condition and his neck has been fused you know his spine has been fused up there at his neck he said that part of the video where the perpetrator opens the dutch doors and jerks his head back he said my dad can't even physically do that it's impossible for him
0: to do that it's so, or something like that yeah 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 so, good me- spondylactic- good memory well, I looked it up, <laughs> um, is a type of arthritis spurred by wear and tear to the spine. It happens when disc and joints degenerate, when bone spurs grow in the vertebrae or both. These changes can impair the spine's movement and affect the nerves and other functions.
1: There you go. So he had had those, uh, his spines fused up there at the top where his neck is, and he can't even do that. So, I mean, if I already I was already convinced it wasn't Randy Beavers but if I wasn't before after after Brandon said that well I certainly was after that I mean there's just in my opinion no way it was Randy Beavers and then we didn't even get into motive I mean what would be his motive
0: yeah that's exactly my list was you pretty much covered everything um I put that he's too tall he was in California and that was verified that there was no motive And the perp looks smaller to me, and I don't mean this disrespectfully in any way, fashion, or form, but to me, Randy Beavers looks like he's bigger than the perp and somewhat taller. Mm -hmm. That's just me. And then the bloody shirt, I mean, if he murdered her, that would be like the dumbest thing ever. Like, here, draw attention to me. Oh my (laughs) gosh, (laughs) yes.
1: I know everyone was like, that means he's guilty, but to me, it just screams innocence. Now, it makes him look like maybe he should have thought that through, like, but honestly he was just so in the moment and think and i feel really bad i listened to our first podcast where it talks about the dogs fighting and i was i laughed because you had said they got into a little scuffle and for some reason that just really tickled me because they actually, you know, one dog killed the other one and the word scuffle just sounded kind of light and yeah. I just died laughing, but I was not laughing at at a dog being killed because that's horrible and I would be devastated if something or someone killed my dog. So I just, um, I wanted to apologize because I'm sure that sounded really bad. I was you know, just cackling when you said that and it sounded like I was laughing about the dog, but I wasn't, but I just wanted to apologize for that because it sounded stupid. but. um But, yeah, I mean, you would have to be really, really dumb to have performed a murder and then take a bloody shirt to a local dry cleaners where the murder took place. Right. I agree. I I agree with you. So, yeah, we're on the same page.
0: Yeah, we definitely aren't, um, you know, trying to say anything about anybody who thinks that because, I mean, you're definitely welcome, obviously, to your theories and your thoughts and we get it you know we may be wrong but that this is just my thoughts and this is her thoughts so we don't mean Crystal. you probably know this from listening to our podcast if you've made it this far you've listened to us many times and you've heard that we don't agree on everything on this case but this is one thing that we do agree on we do agree that we don't think and i've never thought that he did it i just never could see a motive now maybe there's something i don't know so i'm saying if you have this is your theory
1: i have heard people's theories um, uh, on the motive, and that's that they say. And this, there's no, there's no proof to back this up. But they have people have speculated that they thought that Missy was about to divorce Brandon and take all his money. That's always how people word it, and take the family business money. But actually, ironically, what people don't understand is where Brandon Beavers works is Tucker oil and Tucker is actually a different husband of his mother's, not Randy Beavers. It's not Beavers oil where he works. It's Tucker. Yeah. So it has absolutely no affiliation to Randy Beavers in any way, shape or form. So I think that's just another misconception. Randy Beavers is retired and he is not affiliated with the company that Brandon Beavers, it works at and is
0: affiliated with. Yeah. So we just thought we would discuss it because there's, there's so many people that are, all, you know, entertaining that often. And so we just thought we've, we've, we've never really delved into it. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know. Yeah. I and that would be something to talk about since we hear it a lot, you know? Yeah. And
1: and it, I do, I do hand it to people. It does look a little bit like them and the walk and everything. I can understand why people went there. I def, de-
0: definitely can. Yeah and the reason that you know and the reason that the the walk doesn't af- doesn't affect me is because i see i see so many people walk i, I don't want to say i see a lot of people walk like that but i see people walk you know everybody walks different and so there's going to be s- several people that you see that walks similar to that so it's not like there's just a, you know like a very few people that walk that way um in my opinion and then the uh-huh. other thing is is that I feel like personally the walk is um, affected by the gear they have on and the shoes. So that's why I think they're walking like that, especially when they kind of misstep and kind of almost stumble that part, uh-huh. you know, that I feel like that's the reason, but I mean, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm absolutely doesn't mean that, but that's just what I think. Sure. Of course it
1: could be. So. Um. So anyway, yeah. So, um, as far as Randy Beavers goes, um, Renee and I are not entertaining that theory. Um, yeah, you know, I don't even know if I have a theory anymore. That's
0: I right. used to.
1: I've had a couple of them. And lately I've been oscillating back and forth between the two. But I'm also very open-minded in that I realize that the perpetrator of this crime may be someone that we've never even heard of at this point. Right right so I just um I've sort of resigned myself to any particular theory lately except that I do believe that she was targeted that's Mm -hmm. one thing I have a really hard time letting go of yeah I agree
0: I agree um and you know even though we we may not know the person that targeted her um we still feel like it's you know targeted but I realize that there are people out there that think it's untargeted and that's you know, perfectly. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, of we discuss
0: it. If anybody ever wants to discuss any of these things, we, we don't mind discussing it. Uh, we had somebody today that wanted to, to make a post and, and I think that they, they were on the Randy Beaver theory and we're absolutely, you know, we will- we still welcome your post and we'll discuss it with you. We just wanted to touch on it because it's been a lot lately that we've been hearing about it. So. Right. Yeah. It's pretty
1: wild. And we really appreciate each and every person that comes into the groups, whether it's ours or the other messy beavers groups. And it's really great to see the conversations and hear other people's point of view, because sometimes every once in a while I hear something that makes me go, huh, I never looked at it that way, you know? So it's, it is helpful. Yeah, it is and helpful. it's, it's just really great to have everyone's feedback. And what's even better is seeing how many people care about the case.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Really wanting to get it solved. And, and you hear all the time. Oh my gosh, that, that was never solved. Like, I can't believe it. We're like, no it wasn't (laughs) we're just as shocked as you are right so um another thing that we wanted to do is to say thank you to those that are sharing our post because we do have the billboard fundraiser and we want to ask that y'all continue to share the billboard fundraiser post um And if you do, will you please hashtag true crime broads and Missy Beavers? And that way we can kind of keep up with it. And we can also, you know, see how many times it's being shared. And that way we can continue to, you know, get the case, more eyes looking at it and so forth. But I just wanted to thank Dawn, Ella, Dee, Desiree, April, Charity, Lynn, and Linda for sharing. Thank you all so much.
1: Very, very nice. Thank Thank you oh, and dale Dale was our probably our first person to share it when we oh, first got started, so thanks Dale. Awesome. sorry about that yep you're yeah right. Dale's awesome. he was yeah, probably he was like the o g true crime broads fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you, Dale. yep,
0: that's right um and then what else was oh, I was gonna also talk about the crime stoppers the crime stoppers of Ellis county. Um, I know we've talked about this many times in the past, and um, and there was a time, and I don't know if you remember this, but I know we talked about it. We were like, I'm not sure how they don't know that you're calling if you call, because you know obviously, you're calling from your number. How, how are they not going to know that? I didn't know this, but it says, all tipsters remain anonymous. We do not have caller ID. We do not record phone calls. We do not ask for your name. Computer IPs are not saved, and locations are not tracked. So I thought that was interesting. And then you can also mm-hmm. use our mobile app by downloading. It's called P3, or you can call the uh, tips hotline at 972-937-7297. So I just wanted to touch on that because I know several times we've talked about it and I've never looked at the website and I thought, Oh, that's, that's the answer to that question. We didn't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is great. <laughs> Thank you for
0: mentioning that.
1: And I just want to say before we, before we end our show is I just can't get over the fact that it's been over four years and a tip hasn't come in that has, you know, caused us to get close to an arrest. Don't you find that strange? I mean, I know it, ha- I know it happens in cases, but I didn't expect it with this one.
0: Right. And that's the reason that we, are, we are doing the the billboard uh, fundraiser that, and the, to, to get the billboard up for, for Missy, because we want some more tips to start coming in. We want it to be where people can see it, um, where people will start talking about it again. I mean, we we obviously have people talking about it, but we want we need more. We need more people talking about it. We need it to just, you know, spark back up again like it used to be, so that somebody will be like, you know, I, I know something, or I, you know, I have some information that I didn't think about sharing, and I want to share now. We're just hoping that that's what the billboard will. will will cause, help me, Crystal. (laughs) I'm tongue-tied over here.
1: Wait, what are you trying to think of? I'm sorry.
0: I was trying to say... We're hoping that the billboard will bring in more tips is what we're, I was trying to say. Oh, I yeah. I, to think <laughs> yeah. I couldn't Absolutely. talk for a second. I was like, help me, Crystal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it would help if we didn't podcast at midnight. We should probably, that was my fault tonight that we started so late. Sorry about that. Everything just got okay. hectic. I ended up having to take a child home that was at our house. And um, my child and this other child were trying to do a sort of a, assumptive clothes on having a sleepover without permission (laughs) i had to remind my rat i said you've got um strength and conditioning camp in the morning which is mandatory if you want to do seventh grade football next year so i um, had to take that kid home and there's no way after sleepover he would get up and go to that are you kidding me so
0: that? I mean, I, I haven't had to go through that in a really long time, but I remember those days so well. Uh-huh. I <laughs> my daughter had a friend that she, my, my daughter asked me, you know, can someone so spend the night, you know, tomorrow night, it was like Friday night. I was like, yeah, sure. And so she's like, okay, cool. You know, so I'm thinking, all right, you know, whatever. So she comes over and she's all polite. Hi, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. She's not there at my house. Two, three hours. And I get this phone call. And it's the Ellis County Sheriff's Department. Oh no, Are you serious? I'm not kidding. And I'm like, hello? And they're like, is so-and-so there? And I'm like, yeah, who's this? And they're like, this is the Ellis County Sheriff's Department. And I'm like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we um, are going to have to... I forgot how they worded it. But something like, we're going to have to um have you relinquish the child. Or we're going to have to arrest you. And I'm sitting here going wait a minute what like I'm so confused and they're like she didn't have permission to go anywhere and I'm like oh my god you know you're thinking these kids are 16 you're thinking you know you don't have to call the mom and go hi is that okay blah blah blah. she just rode the rest of my to our house with my daughter oh My, and my gosh. daughter did not know this either she didn't know she just thought the girl asked her mom and everything it was cool so I'm like okay hang on a minute I'm not keeping anybody. I just met her for the first time. I don't know how I would be trying to steal a kid that I didn't even know. Not that I'm going to steal anybody's kid, but super crazy. Anyway. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. Movies, but it was bizarre. And so after that, I was always like, okay, they can stay the night as soon as I talk to the parents. And when we go to their house to pick them up, I will meet the parents because I mean, and, and they were super apologetic. They were like, sorry, we didn't know blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I get it. But. It's super scary when the Ellis County Sheriff's Department calls you and they're like, they're going to be arrested if you don't relinquish the child. And I'm going, huh? That is scary. It is. It was so scary. And I was like, they were super nice. We just, I just told them, I said, wherever you want me to bring her, I will. But I didn't bring her over here. She rode the bus over here. So I didn't steal her anyway. You oh my know? gosh. So much I, crazy stuff. I'll bring my daughter, you know, and y'all can take me. No, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I just, um. <laughs> Well I was
1: starting to piece it together tonight I was like okay And plus they went to the creek and played in mud I was like please don't get mud everywhere I was starting to wig out because I knew we were doing a podcast And I said And normally I'm a laid back mom I'm always allowing you know Sleepovers and stuff But I said I had to put my foot down because of Strength and conditioning camp in the morning And so I just said When is his mom picking him up Oh at 10 o'clock yeah Jax's mom's getting him at 10 o'clock So I was like okay well, sure enough, I texted her eventually and she thought he was sleeping over. So they had a little scam going. So anyway, I'm sorry. I had to take him home after I figured out what was going on. And um, anyway, so we got a late start. So maybe we should make a pact that we'll start earlier so that we don't sound so dang tired by the time we get to podcasting.
0: <laughs> I down, we're like, what else was we going to talk about?
1: <laughs> I know. Exactly. Um, yeah, but anyway, really we really appreciate. We really appreciate our listeners and thanks for sitting through our stories, but we thought that you might want to hear about true crime that actually touched our lives. And most importantly, we appreciate you tuning in and listening to us cover the Missy Beavers case because it's extremely important to us. And I know it's important to you or you wouldn't be listening. And thank you so much for everything you do and for supporting true crime broads. And let's all just hope and pray that there is an arrest soon. And thank you very much for listening.
0: Absolutely. Y'all have a great night. Yo, True crime broads with Crystal and Renee.